Welcome to the JP Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me today is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit to figure out where we get into this. It hasn't been a big week in terms of data flow. I mean, we obviously have the you know the two step being done by Chair Powell. We have the um, the data flow, which is clearly showing momentum moderating globally, but moderating for what now is a you know revised up estimate we have for where the third quarter uh, was. We're now tracking something like three and a half percent growth for the third quarter. That's over a percentage point above where our estimate of potential is for the world. Um, and you know we got some interesting wrinkles on what's going on in financial markets and uh, also on the inflation side. I, nothing is like jumping out at me. So Joe, I'm going to just say to you, take it wherever you want to, and I'll just jump in and start fighting with you when I get the mood coming back to me. Well, I mean, no, I, I disagree with it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into it. I, I guess. You know, it's 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 a little bit of sobering message from the the PMIs. I know you're going to say we had most of the PMIs last week, but the the global PMI on all industry came out on Monday, and it um, showed things moderating. And I think the big question and the big theme that um, we should be grappling with is: is a moderation something, a you know, deceleration something that we should be concerned about or should we call it something that's consistent with our forecast because both are right right i mean when you had that payroll report last week you know i was on here saying you know everyone was looking at the softening in the hours and the move up in the unemployment rate and the you know that this was kind of potential yellow flashing lights for recession dynamics and i i pumped the brakes on that suggesting that still a pretty decent report overall. So I think you could look at the, 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 the PMIs and say that these are a little bit trending on the bottom side of where you would feel comfortable. It's consistent with our forecast of below potential growth this quarter. Uh, it's not, you could say it's not pointing to contraction. So that's, <laughs> if that's your bar, then I guess you could feel good about that. But the momentum loss is is a concern, and I, I would just flag two other elements of the report, which would be that the new orders continue to run below the output indexes on both output or on both manufacturing and services. And I I know you put less weight on it than I do, but the employment component of that is is actually downright weak again, like it was at the end of last year when we were getting concerned. Now, last year, we pushed back and things picked up into the first part of the year this year. But, you know, who knows? We've got a lot more monetary tightening, financial conditions tightening. And uh, overall, I, I I would say I it's, it's kind of a, a sobering week in terms of the messages from the PMIs. So I guess I'm going to probably stay away from talking about PMIs. Um, uh, and I'm going to focus on what I think I'm kind of processing here, which is, um, I think, as you're saying, we're definitely seeing moderation in global growth. It's there in the China data. It's there in the, and we'll get China data this week, coming week. Uh, week. It's there in the US data. It's there in global manufacturing. And I think the you know, the thing that I think is most challenging to our forecast right now is whether we can continue what has been a very brief pickup in global industry here with the surveys, I think, sending a, a negative message and some of the demand indicators also turning softer on us. But I think if we're talking about not plus or minus around the forecast, but the big picture 
um, issues. I think to my mind, the the biggest concern of something possibly breaking in the next couple of months is Europe. Um, I'm not really worried that the U.S. is breaking here. That, that doesn't mean we couldn't be on a path that if continued over, you know, three or six months could take us into a bad place. But, you know, the U.S. data is just not that weak. Uh, gasoline prices are coming off, which is a, a going to be a, a plus a here. Actually, Equity yeah. markets are going. I just don't I don't yeah. see the U.S. Also prime for for a break. Not not so much that as almost just like what is it signaling about what's happening underneath in terms of company space. But I do think. There's a concern here that we might be too complacent, and I might be too complacent because I have been complacent about the possibility of a European break. I keep waiting to see the consumer do something off of the fall in inflation and what has been pretty good wage gains here, and they just don't do it. Uh, the data continues to be flat to down. Um, I, I just yeah, don't, I mean, it was don't soft, feel like soft data. European retail sales look ugly. Those were out this week. The German data, we had the orders numbers. Those are looking ugly. Um, you know, Greg uh, Fuscesi, European economist, I think rightfully points out that European data is always heavily revised and has been tended to be revised up a lot in recent years. So um, last refuge of an, of an economist is data revisions, but I think it, it holds for Europe. But yeah, Europe Europe is is a real puzzle. The European consumer is is the big puzzle on that, I believe. And um, I think and, I think you're you're not giving yourself enough credit, right? We've been flagging the risks of of European recession for a couple months now. And yeah, but I, I've just, been sort of feeling like the floor is high, the ceiling is low, and I'm a little yeah. worried that I might be looking at a somewhat lower floor than I would have uh, liked to see. Yeah. Um, and I think this, as you're saying, this kind of puzzling consumer that has been a disappointment for a long time and is just not giving you the the response that you would have thought as we move through the third quarter. I know there are a couple of countries in the Euro area that have done better, France in particular, um, but I just don't um, feel good about the dynamic we're seeing. And I think there's an added element here, which is that we might be in a more pronounced way than we're seeing in the US, seeing the labor market begin to, to soften, which you know, to the extent that we had hoped, hey, the consumer's got a decent labor market, it's got wage gains, uh, it's got inflation coming down, that's going to give it the opportunity to kind of provide us with some lift here. If the labor market starts to weaken in a more substantial way, that might be way too um, uh, optimistic to expect. So, you know, you can see in some of the trade data in Asia that sales to Europe is a part of the reason why industry isn't getting a lift here. And if you take something off of the U.S., um, even if the U.S. isn't breaking anytime soon, that's obviously put you in a in a in a in a worse place. I mean, one thing uh, I think is is interesting here, uh, and we can debate whether it will be a lasting uh, dynamic. But um, we've had the October um, inflation report for the euro area. It came in with a low core number. Uh, the yeah. run weight we have for the last three months of the year there is two four, which is a big deceleration from where we were over the last three or six months. On the other hand, we're looking for next week's U.S. CPI to give us a 0.3 on core and push the um, the three-month run rate up uh, uh, to 35 to 4% over the next uh, couple of months. So there's a big divergence taking place there. It's, again, questionable. Our economists are kind of fading both of those moves as they look into the first part of 24. Yeah, they reconverge. If you look at our forecast for technical reasons on both, they kind of reconverge in the first quarter. 
But for now, uh, this I, is. I what think we're the optics see. of it. You're right. The optics of a of an accelerating inflation path for the Fed, and we've been saying this for weeks on this on this video. The optics of that accelerating, and if you get resilience in the growth backdrop, it's just hard to see the the Fed not feeling a bit antsy about sending the um, you know sending that uh, that kind of dovish message, which I think is why. He did, as you said, that two-step, that that kind of bit of a reversal and turned a little more hawkish this week. Yeah, I think um, he was surprisingly dovish slash optimistic last week. And, you know, he probably felt he needed to kind of re rebalance the messaging and looks like he, he did. The irony this- is he turned he turned hawkish by saying the exact same sentence he said the week before. I'm not yet being confident that uh, things are are uh, tight enough, but uh, well, I know what he, he didn't, said some other things. Or Fair he didn't enough. say some things. He didn't emphasize yeah. quite the the optimism on supply side and, you know, yeah. um, and the inflation progress. He was he was more he kind of just shift, shifted the tone somewhat, which you can see as as an appropriate tweaking of messaging if he felt he was um pushing things a little too far last week. But I think this gets into the, you know, the question you raised at the top is a, I think an important one. And I kind of said something here, which maybe we want to unpack a little bit more, which is, you know, in the end of the day, the, the breaking that we need to worry about is in the U S we have a, a, a perception that that break is going to happen over time. Um, and there's a downward shift in momentum right now, obviously with the rise in the unemployment rate that we saw last Friday, there's there's a lot of people who say, well, maybe you're just being too patient here. <laughs> that things are actually starting to, right. um, to 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 kind of break on the edges, um, and we'll be in recession by the early part of next year. Um, I mean, I don't ignore risk here, but I I really don't think that's the likely scenario. Uh, I still think we've got more underlying health and some um, supports that aren't going to go away. Uh, I'm not losing sight of the fact we might shut the government down. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Next week, uh, I'll leave that one um, untouched. But um, you know, I do think fiscal is still providing uh, an impulse on the spending side, and uh, I think consumers are in good shape. And some of the risk we had of higher energy prices has been taken out. I, I um, think yeah, you said that twice. I just want to underscore that about that because I, I think that actually is a very important development, particularly as you move into the holiday shopping season. Um, you know, if you get that purchasing power lift uh, in a world where, yeah, hours have slowed, but there's still, you know, we've got jobs being generated, wage growth will, will be okay. Um, real purchasing power will be there. And I, I feel okay about that. Um, and, and for what it's worth, the, the card data that we have, you know, pointing to a, another solid four tenths gain in retail control next week. So, um you know, that's a, that's a good sign. Yeah. So around the edges here, what else is there to kind of, uh... well, I mean, you kind of, you know, you, you all, we can unpack a little bit the comments you made on the good sector and and maybe I'm a little bit more um, nervous on that point because uh, we can pat ourselves on the back that we got the, um, the, the manufacturing sector lift through the in the early months of the first ha- or second half of this year. We were calling for that. It did happen. The idea there being that most of the weakness in the first half of the year was inventory driven with relatively strong final demand growth. Felt like that was going to turn around. And that did happen. 
unfortunately, it looks very short-lived, and you hinted at that. Uh, and what we're seeing now is that almost all of that growth was also inventory-driven as final demand growth has slowed pretty sharply, uh, decelerated pretty sharply. And I think the consumer side is okay, but not great. And the CapEx side is is just looking not ugly, but definitely a stall, maybe even a modest contraction. And I think you put those together and the final goods picture for glo the global economy is near stall to slight increase. And I think that points to some some ongoing weakness in the manufacturing sector after what was a very flash in the pan bounce of the of industry. Yeah, I think that 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 makes sense, and that is disappointing, uh, and that is obviously one of the things that sits in the the back of the picture as a as a, as a risk. Um, so, you know, what else is there to kind of play with here i'm not sure there is much else we might just want to let well, the, I mean, china, the, data the china next, data yeah so i was just going to say we got the china data next week and um i mean who, who knows we're looking for three <laughs> we, we're looking for three tenths on ip eight tenths on retail sales um i think if those are right i mean the irony despite all of the the kind of concern about the goods sector that we just went through I mean, I, I think retail sales on a three-month basis might be running up 12, 15%. Uh, IP might be running up 12 to 15%. That's after 25% earlier. So I suppose you might say it's a deceleration, but those are some pretty punchy numbers if you, depending on how much weight you put on the China data right now. Um, so I, I think that's, that's an okay picture. I, the, the story for China to me is it's moved from a, a source of, um, kind of a noise generator of strong growth early in year to a big noise generator that I was fading when it was very weak um, to something um, kind of it's it's the policymakers put a floor under growth. It's more of a back burner issue for me right so now. Here's where I kind of put China. I think what you're seeing, and especially if we're right on our forecast next week, I see an economy that in that flash of the pan IP story got levered to the upside earlier in the summer. Tech. Yeah obviously helping also it's now cooling on that side but it does look like some combination of goods price declines uh policy supports is giving you some some lift in domestic demand it's not happening in housing it's probably not happening in private investment but there's enough coming through infrastructure uh the consumer looks to be doing better um the kind of credit supports for local governments are going to be there and that's probably enough to keep China growth okay. But the the backdrop that I'm thinking about- It's not right a now, healthy growth in my opinion, right? I mean, it's- No, it's not. It's not yeah. something you want to kind of be too too thrilled it's about. A, it's a lot of policy. It's a lot of infrastructure. It's a lot of state-owned enterprise investment. Um, it's a but it shift is, away from real estate, which is still a ugly, ugly problem to- But it is uh, growth and it's not a threat. Yeah, I yeah, think, absolutely. In terms of the goal. And I'm thinking about near-term issues on risk. Yeah, and then yeah. I think- What's to me kind of interesting in, in the China side of the story is the idea that they do have a lot of excess capacity. They are potentially an impulse towards keeping goods pricing on a downward trajectory um, across the globe and kind of contrasting that with, uh, you know, what are these inflation expectation indices moving the Michigan survey today, some of the market measures, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, despite the fact that oil's come off here, they're still kind of moving higher. Um, and um, it is to me, 
you know, somewhat striking in that tension between perhaps a, a Chinese impulse towards deflation, but a still underlying shift in psychology that's not um, amenable to getting inflation down that quickly. You can argue some of the labor disputes in the U.S. could be viewed in that lens as well. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. I mean, you and I were talking about earlier about the the political angle on this. I think there's about a three percentage point gap in inflation expectations between Republicans and Democrats for the coming year, which suggests there's probably some politics going on there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, but I, Joe, I, it's I not think... just that. I mean, that's indicative of what you're seeing in some of the market-based measures and some of the other surveys as well, which is that things are just holding pretty firm here um, against the backdrop of what's been a decent trajectory downward in both headline and core. So, I mean, I think there's a, a message there that there's a stickiness in terms of the psychology, which again is on the one side. The other side is you do have, I think in both Europe and um, China, you should have a decent amount of excess capacity here. Um, in terms of how certainly the the traded goods space plays out. And I'm kind of struggling with how that's going to show up on the inflation numbers. I think we've got a call on the next couple of months in the US, which is a bit more technical driven on some things that were very low that are going to rebound. And then the, the real question is, where are we going to settle as we turn into 2024? Uh, yeah, I'm still biased I mean, I, towards I, things being above 3% in the US, but I'm also biased towards things being perhaps a little even a little lower than our economists are forecasting in Western Europe. I think the demand weakness here is going to right. be a, an important factor. I mean, I, yeah. I would just point out, I mean, one year, one year inflation swaps have been drifting lower. Um, so and they're kind of back to the some of the lower points we've saw earlier this year. Um, but I, 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 I think you're right. You could argue that in, in a world where you've got this kind of disinflationary impulse, um, you know, why is it people are not kind of passing that through? You've got energy prices coming off. Um, you know, maybe there's some change in psychology. I, 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 I guess I'm less concerned that I'm seeing that than, than maybe you are. Oh, I think we have seen it. And the question is, how important is it going to be in the price setting? And I think in the U.S., there's probably an important issue of waiting till we get to Jan Feb, because I think there is some bunching of price increases at the start of the year, which might be a factor, uh -huh. certainly does seem to be a factor in terms of pushing core higher early uh -huh. last year. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I guess we'll, we'll. One reminder on the, on the start of the year. I mean, that you said you're mentioning the start of the year and the bunching on prices, uh, speaking of supports to growth, the, the COLA adjustment will be yet another boost to us consumer in January. Like it was this year when I think people didn't appreciate, you know, remember people were getting pretty downbeat. Um, there was that momentum loss late last year. And I, I think we were warning people that you're going to get a big fill up on income the start of the year. And that was helpful. And I think you get another one this year. What What's the, the, the COLA adjustment this year? It's nothing like that this year. No, no, one. I know it's nothing like it, but it's something, right? It's 3-2. Three, 3-2, two. Um, three, two. So, yeah. I mean, I kind of look at that as neutral in the context of whatever else is happening on the income side of the household sector. I, I think that's above neutral, Bruce. Okay. Well, I'll let you have the last word yeah. there. <laughs> So with that, uh, we'll leave it there. And thanks, everyone, for listening and hope we can continue the conversation at next week's Weekender. Take care.